The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, today we're going to be looking at your latest piece. It's up on the site. It's actually a revision of your art- article that appeared in the 2017 Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Guide. An updated look at the rookie tiers. Very helpful. Yeah, I I would strongly recommend this one for anybody doing a a deep single season draft uh, specifically nfbc draft champions leagues where you draft 50 players and you hold them all season and there's no in-season additions you know a lot of these guys are are pretty obvious but they you know at least at the top but after you get out of the first couple tiers there are some guys that are going to start the year either at double a or at triple a who have a chance, whether it's via someone getting hurt on the big league roster or just playing their way to the show, they have a chance to be useful later in the season. Yeah, you got to dive deep in those 50-round draft and hold leagues and want to get some upside in those 40 to 50 rounds. And I think this is something that uh, people can look at these lower tiers and maybe find some diamonds in the rough. want to quick give a shout-out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, 
Thank you guys at New Day Music for the song Lion Kings that we're using as our intro this season. And as we go through this this article, James, we're going to be doing a little bit of an exercise in which uh, in each tier, we each take a player we like for this season for 2017. want to emphasize that and also one that we're going to be fading. Yeah, and obviously there are guys that I ranked highly that I'm just not going to be owning, but I mean, you, they're ranked where they sort of the consensus I mean it's it's a mix between the consensus and what I think but like there are there are guys on this in this article that I won't be touching and there are guys that might be even you know a little further down who who I really like so I mean it, it'll be a fun game to kind of see where each of us are at on some of these guys yeah so this first tier just your standard hitters for standard mixed leagues I mean guys that are pretty much on everyone's radar for 2017 uh, first in this tier, Andrew Benintendi, not really a big surprise. You have Yoan Moncada, if I'm not mistaken, first on your prospect top 400, but Benintendi should have a regular role from the start, and that's not necessarily the case with Moncada. Yeah, Moncada's behind four guys who are going to open the year playing every day in the big leagues. You know that Some of those guys could end up losing playing time as the year goes on if they struggle, but they'll all be up, and I think they're all – more ready to be up than Moncada. Like if Moncada was starting the year in the big leagues, I might not even have him any higher than I have him right here. I might, I might have him like ahead of Hunter Renfro if, if, if we knew he was starting the year in the big leagues, but he's just, he's not ready to face big league pitching yet. The, the four guys ahead of him have answered all the, the, you know, stuff at triple a, uh, Dansby Swanson actually hasn't, but he, he went to the big leagues last year and was, was fine. So these guys are all, theoretically ready to hit the ground running you know our friend former MLB scout Bernie Pleskoff I know he said in art in his uh, article in the magazine that he thinks maybe Benintendi may underwhelm with the power seems like that is kind of a consensus opinion but you said recently in a, in a talk we had that you know maybe Benintendi's short-term ceiling is a little bit underestimated what's he going to do to make up for that lack of power I actually don't think that's a consensus opinion by Bernie. I think he's I think he's part of like a a group of people that are worried about Benintendi's power, but there are plenty of scouts that put 60s and and wow. I've I've even seen 65 raw power put on Benintendi long term. He's it, you can't judge these guys based on their height. It, we're learning that more and more. Uh it's it's what's in the wrist, it's what's in the hands, it's how quick is the bat, what kind of leverage can they generate? Just look at Benintendi's teammate, Mookie Betts. I mean, they're very similar in stature, very similar plate coverage, very similar uh, bat speed. And in that park, in the AL East especially, I think Benintendi's going to eventually settle in as a, a 20 to 25 homer guy annually. And I think he gets over 15 if he, if he sees regular playing time this season. And well, Margot, your number two hitter for standard leagues in 2017 standard mixed leagues and you know ADP for Margot still at 274 or sorry 247 he's gone as high as 181 and I feel like you know by late March if you want him that's where you're gonna have to take him is between you know 180 and, and 200 at this price right now though ton of upside I like him a lot more than some of these guys he's going behind do you think he's their their leadoff guy on opening day I think he's either gonna hit first or second uh, second is totally in play because they might hit Jankowski first uh, I don't see him hitting lower than second so uh, either one of those is fine for fantasy purposes it's the, the Padres suck 
he's going to run no matter what spot he's in. The reason I have him ahead of Swanson is shortstop's a lot deeper than it used to be, so I don't even I, – maybe I give Swanson like a 5%, 10% bump for his shortstop eligibility. But it, I, I think the the hit tool with both of these guys is very similar. I might even take Margot's over Swanson's long term and just, just say that they both uh, stay up all year and hit – they underwhelm and say they hit 255. Margot's going to steal 20, 25 bases. Swanson's going to possibly not get to double-digit homers or steals. So I, I just think the floor is a lot higher with Margot because of that speed. So Swanson, who you mentioned, is third in this tier. Then Hunter Renfro, Yohan Moncada, Josh Bell in Pittsburgh. Dan Vogelbach looks like he will be on the favorable end of a platoon there at first base to begin the year. Then Tom Murphy. So who's your your pick here and then I will make a pick all right the guy that I like in this tier is Margot I mean he's been my guy that I like all I mean if if Margot really really sucks this year I'm gonna just hate myself but I'm I'm putting my neck out there on him pretty much everywhere so he's the guy I like uh should I say the guy I don't like let me just say I'm just gonna take the easy route and go Benintendi okay super easy because I just want to do that because in the CBS analyst league that uh, AL only league I did uh, a couple weeks ago bought Benintendi for twenty, and I think in an AL only he's actually my first outfielder. Uh, I like that. Some questions, but I think I think that may be a spot, especially in an only league, we could save some money, get a guy like Benintendi who could return decent value at twenty bucks. I wouldn't go a whole lot higher than that, but I think that's uh, a fair price there. Who is your fade in this tier? Uh, a couple guys that I I don't think I'm going to own, but. I really don't think I'm going to own Yon Mankata in this tier. I, I just – I understand the excitement. He's now in a spot where he's got a clear path to playing time. But I really think this is going to be still a developmental year for him. I think he does get up in June or July, but I don't think he has success right away against big league pitching. I think that you're going to maybe see him come on strong – in late August, September, especially once he faces some some lesser pitching in September, he'll generate a buzz, a lot of buzz heading into next year. I just think there are going to be some some months where you own him and you're excited that you got the call where he's possibly hurting your batting average and not giving you a ton in the the homers and steals just because he's having a hard time getting on base. So, not it's not that I wouldn't happily add him if he's on waivers and like he gets called up. I'll happily add him, but I don't want to stash him for two months and use a, a reserve spot on him and wait for something that might actually hurt me. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I'm tempted to go Tom Murphy, but catcher is so bad that I could see myself, you know, I haven't yet, but I could see myself ending up with Murphy as a second catcher. I think I'll go with Josh Bell as my fade. I was eagerly anticipating his arrival last season, and he did have some success right away, but I just feel like the power relative to position there at first base obviously uh below the curve a little bit and the knee injury too i mean this is something that's you know, he's dealt with a lot of lower body and particularly with the knee uh issues in recent seasons and i just feel like there are much better options at first base clearly and even at a, a corner infield spot i think i can find a better option at a reasonable price so let's move on to the second tier starting pitchers for standard mixed leagues a lot of guys getting a lot of helium so far in the early portion of draft season. Robert Gesellman of the Mets, Jarrell Cotton of the A's, Tyler Glasnow 
the Pirates and Lucas Giolito. Those are the four starting pitchers for standard mixed leagues. Like Gasolman a lot. Uh, Cotton, which uh, which secondary offering is his best? Is it the this change? Yeah, he's got a – Keep his, hearing about this change. His changeup's his best pitch. Uh, doesn't – not going to overwhelm you with the fastball, but he – you know, he can – he can throw it up in the zone, and, and the changeup plays pretty well off of it. I think he's off to a pretty good start this spring. He's getting really trendy right now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like where the price is headed at all with him. That's kind of a spoiler. That's going to be my fade in this tier. He's – look, he's a number I, – I think he's a number four. Maybe he's a number three, but I, I think it's going to – there are going to be some bumps along the way. He could have the best spring ever, and I wouldn't be – jumping on him I, I i just think there are some issues that are gonna that he's gonna run into with with the plane of his fastball leading to a, a lot of home runs he's undersized i think he's like 511 i think he's a starter i don't i don't think he's a future reliever i think he's got a, a deep enough repertoire uh good enough athleticism to kind of grow into average or better command but i i just don't i think at best at absolute best he's a number three and i don't see that happening this year Interesting, interesting. With Cotton, yeah, I keep hearing about this changeup, and I'm trying to find the stat right now, but I think he only allowed like one hit off that pitch last season. It's some crazy stat, but I can't find it right now. But I, I'm with you. I feel like with Cotton, the helium is getting to be a little too crazy. We've already seen Zach Wheeler being slow in camp, and it sounds like he'll be on a pretty strict innings limit this season. I think Gaselman, I mean, I think he's in the rotation to start the year. Does he end up maybe like a fantasy number four or five? Uh it's all it's gonna be all about the innings with Gaselman. I, I think that on a per start basis, he could be an SP four, SP five, but I I'd hesitate to put the over under for starts at anything more than maybe twenty one, twenty two. I just think that you know, Seth Lugo is another guy uh, on the Mets who has earned big league starts. I, he's probably behind Wheeler and Gaselman in the pecking order, but it's just it's it's easy to see them just having uh, embarrassment of riches if everyone stays relatively healthy, which is a, a big if for them. Where you could see Gaselman go in and out of the rotation, and they they kind of pick their spots. So I. I don't want to say he's going to stay in the rotation all year, but I, I still am targeting him at his price. He's going way too cheap for me. So your pick in this in this tier is it? I'll take Zellman. Yeah. Okay. Just based yeah. on the price. If if he if the if you know if if helium starts to affect him and he starts moving up, he might not be my guy anymore. But just right now, he's he's going way too late. I think I'll go Cotton kind of by default. I do think it, the price is ticking up too much. It's going to get into a dangerous territory but I'm just you know I think Glass now and Giolito both of those guys are just going to take a little bit longer to figure it out I think uh, all these guys both of those guys have tremendous tools but I think with Glass now the command and you know the it's going to just take a while but the, the secondary offerings as well for him to round it into a full package I think this is another learning year for Glass now and Giolito so we'll move on to hitters for deep leagues part one Andrew Tolls leads this tier Charlie Tilson, Aaron Judge, Mitch Hanniger. Tilson, uh, I know he's already banged up. Tolls kind of fighting for a job. Mitch Hanniger is getting a ton of helium, too. Uh, I've seen in early lineups him batting sixth. 
you expect him to to be in a similar spot on opening day? I think he'll start the year playing every day for them. I, I just I have my doubts about how well he'll perform, and I think that they have some options. They have some ways they can kind of jiggle that roster to take away at bats from him, especially later in the season as as some guys that are maybe a triple A get get a bit more ready. I just where he's going people are people are just too high on him. I I don't really get it. Like even if you're just a stat head that doesn't really care about any kind of scouting reports or anything like that, there you can't find a single minor league season where he hit well and wasn't too old for the level. He's just never mm-hmm. he's never hit well while being age appropriate. So I, I just I think it's hard to blindly just kind of buy into him as this this everyday player that's going to give you some power a little bit of speed so that's a long way of saying he's my fade here interesting yeah this is a tough tier because i'm not really in on any of these guys i thought tolls was kind of interesting we could just pass and on the buying part if we because i don't really yeah i like tilson if he if he's healthy like late in the draft I, i like tilson a little bit uh but i'm not really in on these guys either. Yeah. I mean, Judge, of course, you know, he showed that power in that first game. I mean, that towering blast, but we've talked about him at length in recent episodes. Just that strike zone, so big and expanded. It's another guy that you know, may help you in one spot. And, you know, if you put the puzzle pieces together right, you can offset the damage in, in other categories. But uh, I want a more well-rounded player typically at that point in drafts. Hitters to stash this next tier, Roman Quinn at 17. Uh, first in this tier, Jesse Winker, J.P. Crawford, Austin Meadows. I'm just going to go ahead and take Meadows as my pick just because like, he's blocked right now, but love this kid's talent. And I think, I mean, obviously it's injury away, and maybe there's a situation where he uh, there's a trade in, in Pittsburgh. You never know. That's obviously was discussed a lot this offseason. Maybe we don't see it until midsummer, but I think Meadows gets into a regular role for most of that second half. Yeah, I think I think in Starling Marte and Gregory Polanco and and Andrew McCutcheon, you have three guys who, you know, Polanco and Marte especially are going to run a lot. That opens them up for a little bit more injury risk. You you have McCutcheon, you know, maybe maybe his age is is something that could you know lead to some injury risk. I mean, there's there's definitely ways of Meadows getting up. I think he's a guy that like if he's out there on waivers and I think he's going to be out there in a lot of leagues because people are going to know that there's going to take it's going to need to be an injury or a trade for him but if he's out there he's going to be a guy that could be just one of the biggest fab buys of the year if there is an opening at some point so I I definitely get that I mean if you if you have the the roster spot if it's a deep enough league stashing him makes a decent amount of sense I'm I'm going Jesse Winker I'm this guy is just not he's not getting any kind of respect in in single season leagues and and he's one of the few guys on here that that spent a, a full year at AAA last year. Like, he doesn't have anything he doesn't really have anything to answer there. He was an above above league average hitter. He only hit 3 home runs there. He's going to get a chance to play every day pretty soon in, in Great American Ballpark. I, I people with his plate skills with his ability to take walks and ability to make contact rarely have long uh, periods of struggling when they make their big league debut. I, I just think Winker is, is really, really safe. I think he's going to hit high in that lineup at some point this year. So that, that that's my guy. Yeah. I mean, when you look at his 
current NFBC ADP. I mean, and some of these names in front of him on this list, uh, 574. I mean, Peter O'Brien's going ahead of him, Clint Frazier, who I like, but... Uh, That's insane. Yeah, Jarrett Parker, Aaron Hicks, Robbie Grossman, Brock Holt, Billy Burns. I mean, this I mean, is I know this speeds at a premium. It's insane. It's insane. And Jesse Winker didn't show much power, but as we talked about too on recent prospect pods, that wrist injury last year sapped the power. You know, spacious hitting environments. When he gets to Cincinnati, he could be a double-digit homer guy in his first year. It's it's really insane. Like, just go out, do it, sign up for a draft Champions League right now <laughs> with the, the express purpose of just making sure you get Jesse you Winker get Jesse with Winker. one of your last picks. I like that idea quite a bit. I may do another one. No, you said that. <laughs> Uh, have one draft champions league in the dra- in the bank, but uh, you never you never can do too, do too many of those, especially that slow format. Uh, it's just fun to like kind of pick make picks over the course of several weeks and leading up to opening day. And it's also great too because you could time it right and get certain guys. You know, if uh, obviously you don't want to be a dick and and drain the clock for its full eight hours most of the time, but if if the timing works out, you know, post trade or something. You can land into a tremendous value late in that draft. I don't have the patience to to do that. <laughs> I I would. They'll, they'll get on you if you try to do that. In those slow drafts, like I've always, I'm always making my pick probably within 20 minutes of it being on me because I've just been sitting around yeah. waiting and knowing who I want. I guess an example of that is like Franklin Gutierrez. I just saw. I think it was our friend Vlad. Maybe got him in like the 40th or something. You just never know. You can. Uh, players reemerge, and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about him. End up with a decent bargain late. Hard to get those in a 50, 50 round draft and hold. But let's move on to starting pitchers for deep leagues. You got Brewers prospect Josh Hader leading this tier, followed by Jose De Leon, Luke Weaver, Matthew Strom, Brock Stewart, Ronaldo Lopez, Alderberto Mejia, Jeff Hoffman, German Marquez of the Rockies, Tyler Beatty, Brent Honeywell. Chad Green, Stephen Brault, and Ty Blotch. Uh, I forget how to pronounce that. I think exactly. it's Black. Black. Blatch. Black. I think. I want to say it's just regular okay. Black, but interesting. I, who cares? I know it's not Blatch. So anyway, uh, Matthew Strom is one of the guys here that stands out as very interesting to me. Roll a bit uncertain. It sounds like they may be inclined to keep him in the bullpen, kind of as he de- continues his development. Uh, as a young pitcher, 25 years old now, do you think he could be one of those guys who sees enough work in the bullpen and is used frequently enough to where he could even have value, end up being a, a positive net worth player, even if he never finds his way into that rotation? Yeah, I think he's got the highest floor of anyone in this tier because I think you, I think he will start the year in the big league pen. I think he maybe spends the bulk of the year in the big league pen. Maybe, maybe they stretch him out towards the end of the year. I, he might not even get stretched out at all. It, it kind of depends where the Royals are at, where what their rotation's looking like. Uh, they might just go all bullpen for him one year and then stretch him out heading into next year. I think that that's a follow the Danny Duffy. Approach. Yeah, that's a developmental plan that that some teams especially the Royals are becoming quite fond of Strom's proven last year that he can be absolutely dominant not not only against left-handed hitters out of the bullpen but he he can get righties and lefties out Uh, the stuff plays way up in the bullpen he's kind of more of a number three number four type I think realistically as a as a starter but in the bullpen he can be a legit eighth inning guy so he might even get in the mix for saves if something were to happen to Kelvin Herrera. So 
uh, really high floor for him just because of the fact you know he's going to log a lot of time in that bullpen. Yeah, I think Josh Hader, very, very close, and of course, again, heads this this tier. I think he's pretty obvious pick here, but if you're not going with Hader or Strom, limiting the pool a bit for you, who would your pick be in this tier? Okay, so there are a couple guys further down the tier. Uh, Herman Marquez, Tyler Beatty, Chad Green, Ty Black. I, those are four guys who are just not going to cost you anything at all. And I think that they they should be going a little higher in terms of ADP. I'll go with I'll go with Chad Green. Uh really nice strikeout rate last year for the Yankees as a starter. Uh the you know, he he was giving up some hard contact. It's one of those the ERA is a lot higher than the FIP and you know, there's probably a pretty good chance he's just not as good as his FIP indicates where he's just he's throwing it getting too much of the plate and, and people are driving it. But I, I think there's a chance that he opens the year as their number five starter and he misses enough bats where it's just, it's interesting. It's, it's a guy that even if he's on your roster, you probably don't start him for a few weeks, but if, if he's, if he's rolling and he's, he's missing bats and, and preventing runs at a solid clip, then you, then you have him and you don't have to use any fab money to pick him up. He's, he's a guy for really deep leagues, but I, I think the opportunity and the ability to miss bats is, is worth paying attention to. Want a quick reminder, you guys, as we gear up for our staff keeper leagues here at Rotowire, Auto New Fantasy Baseball lets you build your fantasy baseball dynasty the same way Major League GMs do. It's better fantasy baseball, auction based, deep rosters, and the full minor leagues in the player pool. Get the next Mike Trout or Carlos Correa while they are still in single A. Trade for superstars midseason to make a championship push. Develop a team over multiple years. Play against the best fantasy baseball competition on the internet. Auto New Fantasy Baseball. That's www.ottoneu.com. Uh, and, you know, a lot of these pitchers in this tier, I feel like are going to be popular targets. Maybe not in the in the auction necessarily, but in the first several rounds of the reserve draft. Some already kept. Chad Green, very interesting. I uh, certainly agree with you there. Still have some interest in Ronaldo Lopez because we saw, I mean, we saw some of the bad last season, but we saw uh, the good in terms of the strikeout upside on a start-to-start basis. And I think he will have opportunity in his corner there in Chicago this year over under, say, 13 starts for Lopez this year. I'll go under. I think that there's, you know, you got Lucas Giolito, you got Carson Fulmer, and all three of those guys are going to start the year out of the rotation. They have a collection of veterans who are all fairly mediocre behind uh, Jose Quintana and Carlos Rodon. But I, I don't know. I think it would take several injuries or for Lopez to just be a lot better than I anticipate him being, especially after the move to the AL for him to crack that. But I mean, I think, I think he will get some starts. I just, I just don't think he gets that many. I think you'd have to put that number lower for a guy like Brent Honeywell, but we saw him up close and personal in Arizona, and, uh, man, that stuff looks really good. I think even with the plethora of arms there, I mean, they could be trading some of those guys. I think he finds his way in for at least a handful of starts. Yeah, and I think I like him a lot more than Jose De Leon, who who will get more starts than Honeywell this year in the Rays rotation. I just think 
by the time they're both in that rotation, Honeywell will be the guy to own. I think I, I wasn't sure whether to include Honeywell in this, in this tier, just because you, I mean, you make a good point. He might not even get up for more than five or six starts this year, but just a guy to keep an eye on. He's, he's good enough and and he's advanced enough that I don't see him struggling a ton when he gets to the big leagues. Yeah. Like that screwball. That's just one of what five or six of his offerings. So be interesting to watch his development this year, and I think his his stock could could tick up considerably. He could be like a top twenty ish type of prospect by the time the season's over. Hitters for watch lists part one. A lot of big names in this tier: Rymel Tapia, Ozzy Albies, Clint Frazier, Lewis Brinson, Bradley Zimmer, Franklin Barreto, Cody Bellinger, Trey Mancini, Jorge Alfaro, Chance Cisco, and I mean we've already seen Bellinger you know, have some success this spring. A lot of talk about him working out in the outfield. And even with Adrian Gonzalez's injury, maybe he, he ends up seeing time at first base as well this year. Uh, do you think maybe, I know this was published, uh, actually this was just published today, but any, any thought to moving Bellinger up in this tier? Not really. I, I think, you know, prospects have good springs all the time and spend a good chunk of time in the minors that, the following months so I'm not weighing it too heavily I think the Dodgers have more depth than pretty much anyone on the big league roster right now you know bringing him up would create some some issues with you know who do they boot you know they have guys that are projected to make the 25-man roster where it's just like where's this guy gonna play so Mm -hmm. I just think that they have enough depth where it's not worth getting into his uh, service time just yet. If if something opens up and he's just really banging on the door at AAA, I think he'll be up at some point this year. I just I don't I don't think he's going to be up for a while. And I think just based on his approach, I think it's an approach that's going to work over time. Like uh, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be one of the best first base uh, hitters in the league in three or four years. I just think that there's there's going to be a, a decent amount of swing and miss there initially as he adjusts to big league pitching. Seen some people on on Twitter suggest that maybe Bellinger right now is is better than Adrian Gonzalez is at this stage. That may be getting a little bit of uh, a bit ahead of yourself if you're thinking that. I mean, maybe it's the case, but this isn't the kind of team that's just going to put Adrian Gonzalez on the bench and, and just keep him there. This is a team that's kept under Ethier on the team and hasn't bought him out for a couple of years now, where he's just been taking up money and, and a roster spot. Uh, they clearly weren't that interested in having Puig last year, but they were willing to keep him around. I, you look at how many years, I think Gonzalez has two more years on his deal. What's the point in forcing the issue? I think that that's, you're getting way too overzealous on a prospect when you say that he's better than someone like Adrian Gonzalez when he hasn't proven it at all against big league pitching yet. Gonzalez is still a well above average hitter against righties. He can't hit lefties anymore, so you need to know that going in. And and that might be a, a place where Bellinger steals him at bats, maybe plays in the outfield against righties and starts at first base against lefties later in the season. But uh, that's that's getting a little a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah, the Atlanta Braves, of course, brought in Sean Rodriguez this offseason. Sad situation with, with him. And then when he went down with that injury, they acted fast to get that dude. Does that speak to them wanting to keep Albies down? I mean, I, I assume that's the case to start the year, but do they expect him to spend probably four-plus months in the minor leagues? I don't know. I, it's That dude isn't 
that good. No, they, the Braves are really into bringing in mediocre veterans. It's a, it's an interesting aspect of a rebuild plan and it, it's gotta just be a hundred percent about the new stadium, right? Like there's, I can't, I can't imagine. Phillips is like a Atlanta guy. So yeah. So it's, it's whatever. I, I think Albies was a guy who I think they intended to be up around the same time Swanson came up last year. He just didn't hit as much at AAA as I think they expected. I think as soon as he he's mastered levels at, at extremely young ages throughout his minor league career, I think as, as soon as he really uh, handles AAA, I think he'll be up there because they – you know, they, they it's nice to have Phillips for early in the season as a potential draw at the gate, although if you're paying specifically to see Brandon Phillips play at this point, I mean you're you're lighting your money on fire. But if <laughs> not gonna disagree with you. It, like one of the bones that they can throw to this fan base is continuing to to debut these top prospects that everyone's been hearing so much about. So I think when Albies has forced the issue, he will be up and I think it's going to be kind of an empty batting average towards the bottom of that lineup, but I think he could steal you 15, 20 bases over uh, over a two- or three-month stretch. Franklin Barreto of the A's was a guy that – and staff keeper too. I kind of felt like at, you know last season that he was going to be a long-term building block, but I ended up flipping him in a recent trade. And, you know, Jim Callis has warned us that, you know, you don't put too much stock into a bad fall league, but seeing him in Arizona, especially that range at short, looked – clearly like a second baseman long-term looked lost at the plate still very young but I just feel like you know for a guy like this who's probably second base only the, the stock is plunging and I wanted to get some sort of return while I could yeah I don't know about your trade today uh it was agreed two weeks ago um uh, before I heard Dusty was not gonna bet Adam Eaton top of the lineup so that kind of hurts. Yeah, I was thinking. I, yeah, I was thinking Eaton's contract would have been, you know, seven or eight bucks cheaper. I think Barreto is his his stock isn't falling everywhere. I I don't I don't love him as much as I used to. It's not. It has honestly nothing to do with him probably moving off shortstop. I think middle infielders are just so plentiful these days that. He he wouldn't be a guy that would be a starting shortstop or second baseman in the next couple of years. Anyways, he's going to be a middle infield guy, so it doesn't really matter uh, where he profiles. I still think there's 12, 15 homer power, uh, 20-ish steel speed, and then I think you could be looking at a somewhat empty 280, 285 average in his peak year. So, I, I mean, that's that's a really solid player. I just think that you know, there might be some bumps along the way. Uh, doesn't have the ultimate ceiling of some of the guys I have ranked ahead of him, but I'm I'm not souring on him as a as a legitimate guy that that starts in most formats in his in his peak years. Interesting, yeah. I mean, I I totally see where you're coming from on that trade. I just felt like with Eaton, man, that skill set's incredibly safe. Thought he'd be running more, but if he's batting sixth, I mean, he might not run much at all. So uh, that could be real bad. I don't know what. I get that Dusty doesn't want three lefties atop the order, but come on, Dusty. You don't have to bat Jason Worth second. Oh, um, oh but he does. Oh, but apparently he does. <laughs> uh, so it may sound like Barreto's my fade here. I'm actually going to go Bradley Zimmer because, you know, I, I said it in my article, I feel like just on the eye test, uh, Greg Allen may be a little bit better suited because this is a team that just, you know, they don't need a big 
big heavy lifter to to power them. They just need somebody who's not going to be a a drag, you know, for them and is going to at least hold his own. And I think Greg Allen's skill set is a little better suited to uh, for initial major league success. All right, Zimmer's your fade. Uh, I could fade Zimmer. I'll, I'll fade Jorge Alfaro instead. I think that this is a guy who is getting, you know, he's on the 40-man roster, but I just don't see him playing much this year. They they brought him up in, in an emergency last year because they just didn't have any catching depth because of injuries. He's a guy that is going to need time to to really develop at at the, in the upper levels in terms of making contact and having good at bats uh, and even if he were to get into the mix this year I just think he would he he might hit like 180 or 190 and and really hurt you so not not a guy that I'm looking for as a as a super cheap catcher in deep two catcher leagues now we're getting deep here for hitters in deep leagues part two and this there's several more tiers to come so you dive really deep again check what, out well, let me ask you really quick before we go on where, what do you think about where i have lewis brinson because he is getting drafted pretty aggressively mm-hmm. in nfbc leagues i yeah. think a lot of people think that he probably belongs up in that hitters to stash category up with austin meadows jp crawford those guys i don't think like I love the guy long term, but he's another one of those guys who the tools to me and and just the overall skill set, it's one that he's probably going to struggle initially in the big leagues. And I also just don't see a place for him to play barring an injury or a trade. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I like the skill set long term. I mean, the the raw tools, but yeah, I mean, there there's spots to fill with guys on that roster. I mean, we've seen you know, Scooter Jeanette even playing in the outfield, not that he's really a, a a big roadblock for Lewis Brinson, but there are a lot of outfielders on this team. Maybe they trade one still, but at well, the same time, there's just not – Everyone and their mom thinks Ryan Braun's getting moved at this deadline. Yeah. that's That could totally happen, but that means you're, you're rostering Brinson for four months before you're getting any production out of him, and he still might struggle then, so mm-hmm. – I think I think what you need, the best way for Brinson to get up is a major injury to Santana, Braun, Broxton, or you could see Broxton completely regress and prove that last year was just a complete fluke. And if Bron- Broxton's not hitting his weight by Labor Day, I think you might see Brinson up then. But that that's really the only way. So I mean, if you, if you're all about Brinson right now, you need to tell me which which one of those scenarios you're you're banking on because I just I don't see it. Don't forget that Hernan Perez played yeah. 46 games in the outfield last year, and Kurt and Neuenheis they they still yeah. have hanging around. So there's I mean, not a place for Perez in the infield. So yeah, I mean, all all Perez is going to be doing is starting at third against lefties. So they they're going to be working him in in the outfield occasionally. Yeah, I think that's definitely something to keep in mind with with Brinson. Uh, so, I mean, we've kind of gone deep into this, but, uh, into that tier, let's go to this hitters for deep leagues part two. I'm not going to run down every name here because again, you can check this full article out for yourself. Rotowire.com. Do we just pick, pick a guy that yeah. we like? We don't even have to fade anyone. Cause it's like, what's, what's yeah. cool about fading one of these <laughs> yeah. guys that you no know, need to crap on them while they're down. But, uh, the guy that I like, who I think has been generating some really positive buzz so far in camp is Yandy Diaz with the Indians. They're uh, working him in in right field. 
he's got a really, really good approach. There's not a ton in terms of power, and there's basically no speed. But I think this guy could start getting at bats in the big leagues before Zimmer or Greg Allen. I'm not saying there's going to be a ton of counting stats there, but he just has that profile where I don't really see him struggling to get on base. And I, I think he I think he debuts uh, fairly soon this season, and, and they've been pretty impressed with him in camp. So that's that's just a name, not a ton of upside, but if you're doing one of those draft champions leagues, you still got to have guys like this that are maybe going to be multi-position eligible and, and can fill in. Uh, and just give you positive production. I'm going to go with Austin Barnes, the second hitter you have here for Deep Leagues Part 2. I think a lot of people probably want to have Carson Kelly, but I agree with you. I think I'd rather take Barnes, especially because I've been so inclined to take Yasmani Grandal in drafts, and if I'm doing a 50-round draft, just having him stashed as a a handcuff. you know, I don't really want to handcuff in standard formats, I think Grandall makes sense for a guy to handcuff because he's dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his career. I know Grandall's not going to be platooning, at least that's not the plan. So he will be facing lefties, but you never know. Maybe he struggles against lefties. Barnes gets more playing time than thought, and you know if there's a long-term injury to Grandall, you, you got a, a everyday option uh, as a backup. Yeah, I think I think Barnes is a guy that's getting slept on a bit. I mean, I don't I don't think there's a big difference in terms of where Kelly and Barnes are going in drafts right now, just because everyone knows that they're distant backups to the guy mm-hmm. atop the depth chart. But Barnes is older. He hasn't had a ton of success against big league pitching, but he's at least faced it a decent amount. And yeah. uh, Quite a bit of success the past two years at AAA, of course, PCL, but uh, I mean, you can't just completely write those numbers off, especially because the, the walk decay is very yeah. strong. He's, he's one of those guys at uh, – I think per plate appearance, if if he, you know, a rosy outlook for him, it, it could actually look a lot like what J- you get from JT Oriel Muto, where you get some steals mixed in at catcher, and that's typically not something you see at the position. Barnes is a guy who can also play second base, can play third base, which is another uh, rarity for a catcher. So there, there are different ways that they can get him involved. Hitters for watch list part two. A lot of names here that I think you can – kind of safely project a lot of these guys for 2018, at least before they get a regular role at the major league level. But you never know. Could force their hand, force the team's hand. Maybe an injury, long-term injury could open the door for them. Of course, Rowdy Telez is a guy, you know, you have him low in this tier, but he always stands out to me, especially given Edwin Encarnacion's departure. Big hole there at first base in Toronto. And uh seen them be kind of aggressive with some of their prospects in recent years. I think Telez could maybe surprise some people. I took him in the reserve round that AL only auction I did recently. Yeah, he's, you know, I think a lot of them being aggressive in recent years was with the old regime, the that's a good point. the Ananopolis uh, regime. This new regime is they were specifically brought in to save money. <laughs> like the ownership was not digging how much money they were spending. So these guys are there to pinch pennies and and really try to try to find as much value as possible. I know their options at first base aren't great, but I really think they're going to value keeping, at the very least, an extra year of control, holding them down to June or July. I, I could see them holding them down all season if, if they're just getting kind of league average production at, at, with some sort of a platoon at first base. I think that they'll be fine just waiting on, on Telez for next year. But this is why you put him in your watch list. That's why he's in this tier. If, if he's raking and they're 
you know, if, if it's a situation like the Red Sox at third base last year where they're getting just god-awful production at first base, which is totally possible with the options they have, and, and Telez is dominating at AAA, then you, you might want to think about adding him. Uh, my guy is going to be... My guy is going to be... <laughs> I'll go with Med Rosario. It's, this is tough because, I mean, these I don't, are, guys are all long shots. Yeah. Uh, actually, no. I'll, I'll go Heimer Candelario with the Cubs. He's big league ready. He's one of the only guys in this tier that is absolutely big league ready. He, he would be starting probably on a dozen other big league teams at this point coming into the year. He just doesn't really have anywhere to play right now. All it re- all it would really take though is maybe one injury to one of their key guys, and the Cubs got extremely lucky with injuries last year. Maybe they maybe they're due for for some regression in that category, and and someone misses time. Candelario is ready to hit big league pitching. Worst case scenario, I think he's an obvious guy for them to flip at the deadline if they go out and uh, acquire another power reliever, and then as soon as he gets traded, he'll be he'll be playing every day for whatever club acquires him. So. Uh, Candelario, I think one way or another is at least startable for a stretch of time this year. Yeah, interesting. I'm going to go with Dom Smith, maybe. I mean, I already threw out Greg Allen, but I think Dom Smith is interesting as well. You know, he's trimmed down. They have a lot of questions at, at first base there in, in New York. I mean, I guess, obviously, you know, Wilbur Flores can play the position of Lucas Duda, goes down with another long-term injury, but kind of better suited as a platoon bat. Smith hasn't advanced past double A yet, but I mean, he's looking close to ready. Power's starting to tick up. Uh, Again, all these guys are long shots, but I think he's an interesting guy just because, you know, on a team that's going to be competing, they're not going to be wanting to take a big negative at that position. Yeah, the Lucas Duda injury thing is definitely worth noting with him. And and one of the big purposes of this article is just, you know, bookmark it. And then when you're in june or july and you're like which which prospect should i go throw a buck on this week and fab just do a little bit of research on some of these guys see what's happening at the the spots on the big league roster and i mean you know you know a handful of these guys are going to come up uh this summer and and be semi-useful the long shots this next tier uh guy here that we talked about and uh jim callis of mlbpipeline.com threw him out there as a long shot but a, a possible late-season arrival in Rafael Devers, a player that I'm now desperately trying to acquire in Staff 1. Hopefully that, <laughs> that works out. We'll see. But you have him third here behind Glaber Torres, Zach Collins, then Rick, Victor Robles, Kyle Tucker. A lot of, a lot of talent here. Uh, Going to need more than just that talent to carry him to the Major League level this year. Probably uh, significant lack of production at the Major League level or a long-term injury. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is a tier, it, it's going to seem like, well, there's no way these guys are going to come up, and yeah, this is maybe a down year for this tier, but last year in this tier, I had Alex Bregman, David Dahl, Andrew Benintendi, Dansby Swanson. At this time last year, all four of those guys seemed like long shots to come up before September, and yet they all they all did, and they all, they all were pretty solid once they got up. Uh, so I think one or two of these guys does come up and is a, is a big fab target, in the middle of the season, my pick will be Glaber Torres just because I think Chase Headley is just such hot garbage, especially for the Yankees at third base. That's just not the type of production you want there. 
Torres, obviously a, a shortstop long term, but I think that that's that's where he makes his big league debut. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I'm going to go Devers as my pick. A fade, maybe eh, tough to fade any of these guys because they're all so good. But um, maybe Kyle Tucker just because he was only at the low levels last season. Starting pitchers for watch lists. Some interesting names here. You know, a lot of these guys again. We're getting really deep here. Francis Martes. You'll see him a lot higher on other prospect lists, but you're pretty convinced he's just a bullpen arm. I'm not convinced. I, I have him. I think I have him like around around 60 on my overall ranks. I just I don't think the commands there for him to be uh, a guy that can turn over a lineup multiple times at this point. I, I think you look at that team and there is some. There is some rotation depth that, you know, a guy like Joe Musgrove might start the year on the outside looking in on that rotation. This is also a team that has, like, Chris Davinsky. Like, we don't know. You know, he might get a dozen starts this year. Uh, David Paulino, another guy that I'm, I'm pretty low on, but he's he's close to big league ready. I just – I don't see a chance for Martes to in, – unless he just takes a big step forward with his command and, and his changeup, I don't, I don't see him – being all that useful. He might get a chance. I mean, there might be a bunch of excitement about him getting a call in mid-May or something, but I, I'm i not going to waste my fab on him. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't mean to put words in your mouth, but I know you kind of have suggested that if you were to, to lean one way... You, yeah, you people lean. people are underselling the bullpen risk with him. Yeah. Johander Mendez, a guy the Rangers don't want to rush. There would seem to be a, a clear path to maybe 10 starts for him, but... And a lot of people have pegged him as one of the top, you know, lefties in the minor leagues, lefty prospects. But are you just expecting, you know, uh, in this tough, tough pitching environment there in Texas, him to, if he does come up and make 10 or maybe more starts, there's going to be quite a bit of downside with the ratios. I just don't. Yeah, I, I think 10 or 12 is probably what I'd set the over under at. I think they've, they've brought in some pretty risky, but pro- more proven arms to give them a little bit of rotation depth this year. I just, I don't see a ton of upside with him in, in year one. I mean, he, he made his debut last year, obviously, but I think if he, if he does come up for a 10 star run, I, I think it's just going to be kind of replacement level production from a fantasy perspective. Very interesting. Yeah. This is a tough one to, for a pick. Um, yeesh. Maybe AJ Cole. He looked good the other day in a spring outing. Nice. He's number six. Yeah. If any of those guys get hurt, it's A.J. Cole's job at the the back of that rotation for the Nationals. I like that pick. I'm going to go – man, I, I like Brandon Woodruff. I like Chance Adams. I'm going to lean Chance Adams just because I think there's less obstacles to for him to get into that rotation. I, Woodruff, man, I'd, I'd love to have him in the NL Central. I mean, that, that AL East, not a not a great place to debut a pitching prospect for fantasy. But uh, Adams, I think there's there's just such garbage in front of him that if if he's pitching well in May or June, I think they'll give him a shot. Man, you just continue to crap on my boy Amir Garrett, but you didn't have him last in this tier, so I thank <laughs> you for that. Yeah, I had him. I had him in front of uh, big, Alex Meyer, big names, Big Bobby Stevenson, and Rob Zastrinsky. <laughs> All right. Uh, David Paulino leading this tier, uh, which is titled Starting Pitchers Who Are Probably Relievers. So, uh, yeah, I mean, David Paulino, Frankie Montas, Amir Garrett, Alex Meyer, Robert Stevenson, and again, Rob Zastrinsky. So, even in a 50 team draft and hold, these guys are kind of borderline. 
Yeah, I think you'll you'll see all of these guys make starts in the big leagues this year. I just don't think it's going to be the type of thing that you want to maybe you use them as like a, a cheap high upside DFS play because you know all these guys can miss bats uh, other than maybe Zestrisny. I included Zestrisny just because he he doesn't throw hard, but he's got a wide array of pitches, and if he can get into that Cubs rotation at some point, I, I could see him just kind of riding the talent around him to five or six wins over a, over a short stretch of time. Uh, man, I, I mean, Frankie Montes is a future closer. Amir Garrett's a, a future dominant eighth inning guy. Bobby Stevenson might be a f- future closer. Alex Myers, a future wild eighth inning guy. Paulino, probably same thing. I mean, it, it's we're, we're going to get to see. I mean, I might be wrong about half these guys. We'll, we'll see how they do this year, but they'll they'll all get a shot. I will say that both Garrett and Stevenson probably get chances to make starts this season. I mean, they already got Homer Bailey banged up, and now Anthony DiSclefani. That's fun. Uh, so I think they'll get opportunities, but I, I kind of agree with you long term. I still hold out some hope with Garrett. Probably going to you know stubbornly hold on to him and the staff too, but. Probably not going to pay off. But, James, this is great. This I love this piece every year, and I think that's great advice to just bookmark this. Come back to it late in the in the month uh, or midseason. No, you know, just be reminded of some of these guys who may be on the brink. Yeah, it's and, – and I actually – one of the commenters asked that I update it at the end of the month and, you know, make any necessary changes based on the job battles and such – if there is enough, if there's enough changes to be made, I, I think I will do that just because that, that won't be all that difficult. But I mean, there's a chance that there might not be a ton to change between now and then. Uh, you know, one of the biggest changes from the mag version is you don't see Alex Reyes here. Uh, moved some guys around just based on job battles that are that are kind of heating up. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely if the, if a prospect gets up this year and makes a big difference, and I didn't include him on this top 100. I will be surprised because it's a very deep list. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Again, rotowire.com slash pod if you don't have a subscription to check it out free for 10 days. Thanks, James. Enjoy your trip to Arizona. Watch some spring training games. We'll get some of your thoughts and insights next week when we're back. See you guys soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.